Hello, Northern Michigan. Welcome into episode 116 of the Get Around Podcast. My name is Jake Hennep. In the studio with me, a couple days after I turned 26, I'm just a bit older. My boy, Harrison Beebe. My esteemed colleague, James Cook. How are you fellas doing on this Monday morning? Are you guys still feeling Saturday at all? Well, it's Monday afternoon, for one, so we know how you're feeling. But uh, I'm, I'm doing all right. Yesterday was rough for me. Like, really rough. Well, you lost an hour. Of course it was rough. Not even losing an hour. It was just a rough day. Like, I, I, ba- I basically slept until about 8 o'clock last night. Well, it makes sense. You were playing music at my place at 4 in the morning when I woke up to tell you to shut up. So I'm, not qu- <coughs> I'm still not quite sure. Do you know how does that not surprise me? <laughs> Do you have any idea where I doesn't surprise my neighbors. But had a great time, nonetheless. Yeah, sorry I didn't text you back uh, at midnight, James. I was a little... I uh, didn't text him back, too. <laughs> Nah, that's okay. We went to the UNI. Uh, Andrew had texted us where you guys were, and okay. I'm like, I don't want to go any place with a cover. Wasn't a bad idea. Everything post-Beer Pond Tournament was really hazy for me. <laughs> so. After the concert, we just got back into town, went to the UNI, got some food. How was Tantric? It's good. Yeah? It's good. Metal? There's always that one jerk in the crowd that's, you know... Oh, always. Pushes people to get up front. Yeah. And everything. Oh, Did yeah, he, he get there? Say, excuse me. Did he get up front? He... Momentarily, until I pushed back. Ooh. All you have to do is say excuse me. That's a pro tip in a crowd. You can get in front of me. Yeah, if you're polite. Yes, I literally don't care if you get in front of me. I'll let you go in front of me. Just say excuse me when you get past. I love when people, like, they'll stand there and wait for an opportunity for you to, like, take one step to the side so they can just, like, try to push through. It's like, dude, you were standing there for four minutes. All you had to do was tap me on the shoulder and say, can I get past? Yeah. Another pro tip at a concert is carry beverages with you. Just if you're going through a crowd, oh, go through people, like two oh, or three beers in your hands. Yeah. People know you're on a beer run or a beverage run, whatever, and they get it. like the Red Sea. They get it, and they don't want to get wet. You wish they would have. At one of my 311 shows, the whole crowd just pushed up, and I knocked over a guy's beer just because of the crowd. And his girlfriend just gave me a huge like. She was like, oh, you owe him another beer. I'm like, lady, I was pushed into him. Right. I am out of my control when the I'm whole just gonna crowd away pushes now. forward. No, I, I had some dude last or two weeks ago when I was at a show. I don't know what ended up happening, but literally just like ended up getting bashed into my back with a beer. And just had like a full, not a full beer. Yeah. Right? Oh, if you, t- if you take a beverage part. in the pit, you're you're risking yeah. what, what you, oh, underrated, yeah, yeah, you're, you're talking about beverage. Beverages, underrated just for hydration, gum. Chew yes. gum during concerts. That'll oh, keep yeah. you. It, keeps you, it, keep, it yeah. just keeps you going. Especially longer like, ones. Oh, man. You don't got to use the bathroom until you got to use the bathroom, then you'll get another drink. Because like, I don't like paying the whatever $14 it is for a beer at a concert. So, like, yeah, I don't want to drink during a exactly. concert. Exactly. I might get, like, two. This place had uh, your favorite Bush Light for three twenty-five. Oh, my God. I'd have been there all night. I'd have been there all night, guys. All right. But addendum to a show from a couple weeks ago when we were talking about our bucket lists, got tickets to Tool. See, I got tickets to Tool. James said that after we were talking about our bucket list. I just think, you know, he manifested it. He spoke that into existence, which makes me really happy that you're going to be knocking off another thing on your bucket list. That means we're going to have to revisit that question. When are you jumping out of your plane? It'll be this summer. I'll, I'll, I'll make it happen this summer so we can revisit this question this fall. And, like, New update the list. people on how awesome our lives I, are. I might be joining you for that, then. That sounds like a plan. All right. Before we take all night talking about our escapades and all that, we do have a big show for you guys today. Obviously, girls' districts over with. They're into the regional round. Boys' districts are starting today. So, in suit, we are going to do our boys' district preview episode. We'll do a whole segment after our interview with the state champion bowler from Traverse City Christian, Hunter Haldeman. And we'll dive into all those districts for boys' basketball before all that. We're going to dive into the pulse and talk about all the happenings in last week's districts. 
state finals for wrestling, state finals for bowling, and all that good jazz. But uh, before we do, always want to remind you, this episode is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. We have one rendition of the Hall of Fame coming on later in our trifecta, which after this weekend, or actually really after yesterday, Michigan State took home their third straight Big Ten title, or a share of it this time. But regardless, on senior night, do their normal tradition of having their seniors get subbed out of the game and kiss the Spartan head at center court. And the new Ohio State coach, Chris Holtman, uh, had an issue with this. So we're going to talk, I, I mean, I'm going to talk a little bit about it later, but after 25 years of this tradition, I don't understand how anybody could not see that coming. It's not like he hasn't watched Ohio State play in that game many times against Michigan State. But anyways, we're going to talk about our favorite college traditions, uh, basketball, football, whatever it may be. Obviously, I have one that's close to my heart that we'll talk about a little bit later. So stick around for that. But you guys, let's put our finger on the heartbeat of the sports world and get into the pulse. We had a lot go on last week. District basketball is where we're going to start. Obviously, we had nine district or nine teams in district finals last week. Had a bunch of winners, and we have a bunch of people in the uh, regional round. Uh, the way that we talked about it, it kind of, it basically turned out the way that we thought. Cadillac pulled out their win. Charlevoix pulled out their win. The teams that we went to with Bel Air beat Gaylord St. Mary pretty handily. Glen Lake beat Traverse St. Manton pulled off an impressive come from behind win. Yeah, in Lake that, City. I mean. We got to talk about that. That's probably the noteworthy district final, I would think. Well, it's what, it was twenty-six mm-hmm. to seventeen, which like. But it was fourteen to four, Lake City around halftime. Yeah, and in Lake City's building. And Lake City only scored three second half points in that game. I mean, Man, top when, five ranked team in Division Three. That that just can't happen. And Manton made him pay for it. I, I think you saw with the first two times that those two, the teams played, like it was going to be like that in that last game. Like I think the first, the second time they played, the score was like thirty-one to twenty-four. Like, it was a low-scoring game where it, points were hard to come by. You know, and we know both those teams have scores. Both those teams are able to do it. They obviously know each other really, really well. Oh, definitely. Really well. Yeah, for years. And, I mean, we talked about it last week on the podcast. Beating a team three times for Lake City was going to be really, really tough. Well, I think this was the first time in a while that they were in the same district. Usually they've been in separate districts based on man's kind of been in a northern region with like Glen Lake and whatnot, and Lake City's been in a southern one. So it was really interesting to see that they were finally paired up against each other to guarantee, basically guarantee that third meeting this season, and that's what happened. And uh, man, Manton proved that the series wasn't uh, in any way dead and gone. Yeah, I mean, we had those girls on uh, a couple months ago at this point, but I mean, that was before their first matchup with Lake City, and they were marking that on the calendar, taking circles. Like, I'm pretty sure that they are more than happy for that uh, the W to come in the district final game. Mm-hmm. But uh, other district finals that we had, Bel Air, you, you saw them roll to it. I want to ask you, I've been high on them, and I think that they're going to be on their way to a Final Four. Their regional is not very tough coming up this week. How much do you see from that team when you saw them beat Gale St. Mary or double them up, really? Yeah, I think they're getting through this regional. I think I don't know that that's almost not, almost not a question, I think. you know Maybe Onekama's height gives them a little trouble because other than J.C. Summers, they don't have a whole lot of height on that team. But I, I still see their, their press working. They're too fast and too deep. Yeah, they're for fast. Teams up here. And, and for Division Four, yeah, they're deep. They have three, four players that they can reliably bring off the bench and sub into that press, and they don't lose anything. And their defense was just, even when St. Mary got into a half-court offense, their defense just didn't allow St. Mary to get good shots. And when St. Mary did get good shots, they didn't hit anything. I mean, they didn't hit anything outside of layups in the first half. I, don't know, I think it was still they like two, they had two field goals in the first half because that's how long I stayed. I yeah, got two it baskets. was like it was like in, well into the third quarter before they hit a jumper. I mean, they were just really struggling in that game to get anything going. And you know, part of that may have been St. Mary's a little bit of a younger team for how for how good they are. 
and Belair was just playing really, really well. Well, I mean, you mentioned Onekama being in that regional. They won that district title over Frankfurt on Friday. Uh, you mentioned a couple of those girls. I mean, Kelly McCarthy got that height. You, you saw her play earlier this year, and you know that she can disrupt. Um, if, if it's her and J.C. Summers, J.C. Summers has somebody to match up against when it comes. And to Sophie Wisniewski, who's also another girl, is you know around six foot tall. Yeah, and that's uh, I mean, they so, have a couple other girls out there, and Ella Acton. I mean, it's not it's not a white boy with Onekama. I think Bel Air has their work cut out for No, not completely. Onekama. Yeah, they're going to have to work for this one, but I think that Bel Air will take yeah, it. Yeah, that's why. But other, other than Onekama, I, the other two teams in that region, no matter who they would end up playing in the final, it doesn't. It, it would not scare me. It's like just not a good NMC plays them in the semi. And, yeah. and North Bay is in the other, no. the other semifinal. Oh, neither, really, and, neither of those, and neither of those teams match up very well, I think, with Bel Air either. I mean, North Bay, once again, did win that district title over Lake Lee and all St. Mary. I think they're the last one that we need to mention. Uh, They won 45-37, so uh, congratulations to them. I mean, Paige Kohler has helped carry them all season long. Uh, Did it once again with 12 points in that game. And that district will be right here at TC Central. I'll be there tomorrow. Yeah, I'll be there tomorrow, which will be nice. Mm -hmm. And the regional at Grayling is, is pretty good, too. That's the one that Manton's going to. Glen Lake's going to that one. Uh, so that should be a somewhat well-attended regional, I think, for people coming to go there to see those two good teams. Because in previous years, Grayling and Manton have met up in districts. Now they get to well, I mean, maybe do Glen- it. In, maybe do it in the regional final. Manton's the one who took Glen Lake out of the districts last year. But I mean, let's. I want to talk about Glen Lake a little bit. I did see them take out St. Francis. St. Francis held really tough with them throughout like the first quarter. Basically, held them like four. They were they were winning like fourteen to three. At one point, and then Glen Lake just kind of found their stride. Grace Bradford turned it up. She, she dropped 25 points at 14 rebounds. Haley Helling had 17 points, made a big difference in that game. Uh, we talked about Glen Lake's skill from their positions, and I think they actually have it. They have girls who can shoot the three-pointer. They have girls who can drive. They have a couple girls with the other Grace, Grace Fosmore, who's good at rebounding, who's a good tall girl. Um, I still like Glen Lake's chances to make it back down. Uh, to the Breslin Center. It was only what three years ago that they were down there. I think I think they're almost primed for their way two back. Year, two years ago, they were at Calvin. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, two years ago they were down at the finals. But I don't think they're that far off of that. And Grace Bradford's only a sophomore, and she's she's good, man. Both Graces are, are great leaders for that team offensively, and they're just kind kind of like Bel Air. They're also very deep. Uh, they can bring a, a good bench on on the floor and make an impact, especially with younger players on uh, the undergrad, you know, sophomores and freshmen, uh, undergrade level players. If we don't get that Manton Glen Lake regional final, I think a lot of people up here are going to be really upset. I think Hart and Pinconning are the other two teams. Yeah. So if one of them plays spoiler, then I ah, forget you guys. You suck. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, Hart's we, nineteen and four. Pinconning is. 17 and 6. So, so I, th- I think both of the, the they're not yeah. I think Man and Glenlake will be favored in both. Yeah, of they games. will. And so we're likely getting that matchup and then I just got to feel bad for Charlevoix a little bit. <laughs> they have a good setup this year and now they have to go to Sheboygan and now Sault Ste. Marie to play in their regional final regional yeah. semifinals and finals. So a little bit of traveling for them over the next few days, but if they're good enough, hopefully Charlevoix can pick up a, a regional and then we're seeing the winner of that Man Glenlake game play the Raiders for a spot in the final four. Yeah, yeah. And then Cadillac has to go to Chip Hills to play Standish Sterling. But the w- other half of that regional is the weird one because Escanaba and Sault Ste. Marie play each other, and they're playing that game in Petoskey. No, they moved it. Did it's they? Manistique. Okay, because yeah. that was just dumb. But I figured they were going to move that anyways. I mean, we but we still have plenty of girls' teams left in the regional round. Obviously, about half of them are going to get weeded out tomorrow because we do still have some teams playing each other or looking about to play each other. So it's going to be a lot of fun this week. This is one of the best weeks in high school basketball with boys' districts starting today, girls' regionals Tuesday, 
and then boys district semis on Wednesday, girls regional finals on Thursday, and then boys district finals on Friday. This is what they call like pump up the yams type of week. Like it's ready only, to it's go. only disappointing we don't have a hockey team. Yeah, imagine if we had had a couple of hockey teams still going. Yeah, I mean, and well, that and then you totally could have. But that would make it even crazier. now you you do make a good segue here. Um, that that's quite a bit of basketball for now for girls. So let's talk about what else happened last week. Traverse City Central and Gaylord are two hockey teams who were all the way on into the quarterfinals. Both fell. Traverse City Central falling five to two in that uh, spot to Marquette, and Gaylord falling eleven to one. Obviously, both these teams had a great season. Gaylord made it a little bit farther than I think we thought so, but uh, Traverse City Central just had a bit of a rough start against Marquette that they could not overcome. So, I mean, I, I know that we, I thought that this could have been a Final Four team, and I think on any other day. It still would have been a really good shot that they could have beaten Marquette. Just the way that it happened on Saturday after reading Andrew's story was, you know, they, they went down early and they didn't really have what it took to get all the way back from a three-goal deficit. UP teams are tough for, for high school hockey. You get up Marquette and then those Houghton-Hancock-Calumet teams, and that's Calumet's the team that beat Gaylord. They know how to play hockey up there. It's it's religion up there just like Canada. So it's a matchup against them in a quarterfinal. It's not just a case where you're going to be handed an easy opponent and an easy opportunity to get to the Final Four. They had to win a big game. Mona Shores, you and I were at the Mona Shores regional win. That one felt like that Mona Shores team beat themselves after a couple goals, and you're like, okay, yeah, you're, you're out of here, bye. Mm-hmm. But Marquette, I'm sure, was a different level, and the Trojans had to answer that bell, and unfortunately on Saturday that, that wasn't going to be the case. Yeah, I mean, obviously that went kind of sideways for Gaylord, but well, once again, I don't think we really expected them to get a regional final. or even The regional it. was not super impressive, so it's not it shocking was, it was to me that they won it, it a regional, <laughs> but then to be, face yeah. the top seed in Division Three yeah, in the, the UP, team. Yeah, yeah, you weren't. they weren't yeah. facing great odds there. But um, it's, once again, I mean... Congratulations on a great season. I mean, they, they did what they could. I think and, they finished and right Marquette's around... Marquette's ranked number five, too. That's what I mean. So I think like Gaylord only finished, finished like right around 500 or right above 500 for the regular season. I'm pretty sure that they'll be really, really happy with a regional title to go for the Blue Devils this season. But, yeah, hockey teams are done with. We didn't get a Final Four run this year. But a couple more things that happened this weekend. We had wrestling finals, team and individuals. And we had uh, bowling state finals, team and individuals. Friday were the team tournaments. Saturdays were the individual tournaments. We'll start off with wrestling. In the team tournament, once again, we had Gaylord get the runner-up spot uh, this year. To Lowell, who's who's won seven titles in a row. Again, it's understandable. Not a bad loss. Not at all. A couple of the other teams, we didn't have any teams uh, really placed too well other than Gaylord. Kingsley made the Kingsley made the state finals. Yeah, in the, I think in they, the they, they had a plan. They had a place in like four. probably for the first time ever. They're yeah. in the quarterfinal. They lost in the quarterfinals. Yeah, I think it was like seventh. They ended up actually finishing was the was the slot that they finished up in the individual finals is where we saw some successes. You no, know, Gaylord always does have a couple of guys. We had a couple of runners up to uh, talk about Chase LaJoy and John Sosa. Both got runners up for Gaylord. We know they're always going to be pinching right there at the top. But James, I mean, when was the last time you think we didn't have an individual state title winner for wrestling? It's been a while. I mean, Gaylord usually brings home one or two. I mean, you can't get much closer. Yeah, I mean, Coach LaJoy's had those those sons of his have been <laughs> regulars in the state finals. Well, and uh, Chase in, bumped in up, as you, as you guys have mentioned before. Chase was up probably a weight more normal than he would for competitive reasons this year with Lowell and whatnot, and then he faced that Lowell guy in the finals at 145, I believe. So Chase might have normally been at 140 and probably been a state champion, but he chose to take the extra challenge at 145. and He lost by one point in the final. Mm-hmm. His opponent yeah. scored a takedown with a minute and 30 seconds left in the match mm-hmm. for a one-point lead and to win it. So, like, you really can't get closer to a state S- title than that. margin of error. It was uh, to a kid from Lowell. Yeah, I mean, a 4-3 decision. It's the same kid he fought in the, or he wrestled in the team final. Yeah. 
Austin Boone. Because mm-hmm. that was, I think, the reasoning behind him bumping up that weight is so that he could face their one of their best wrestlers and try to shift momentum. Well, there was a few other people who did well at the uh, at the individual state finals. Traverse City Central had three guys earn all state nods: Dutch Ballon, Damian Ballon, and Remy Cotton. Each fell to seventh place, but that is good enough for an all state. Top eight is all state. Got themselves a medal, and uh, congratulations to those three guys. Uh, there was a couple other guys. Isaiah Grosser from Mancelona also ended up in All-State earning eighth place. And Max Halstead from Grayling, who got uh, fourth at 152. Yeah, Joe Armstrong, Zach Duncan, each as well. They reached a seventh-place match, but they lost. Um, so they were right on the they were right on the uh, cusp of getting that All-State match. But we did have a lot of guys get down there and impress. Just nobody seemed to get a crown this year. But once again... I do expect them to be back in full force once again next year. Gaylord had one other place or two in uh, Rico Brown. Okay, what did he place? Uh, he got fifth. Okay, at, uh, way one thirty or so no, yeah. place sixth. Sorry. So we had a, we had a lot of we had a lot of guys finish there in the top eight in their respective weight classes. So congratulations to them. Great season, and we we look forward to having some of those guys back. They're not all seniors. A lot of those guys are young. One of the Ballon boys is only a sophomore, even a freshman maybe. But yeah, we're going to see a lot of those guys back on the mat next year. Yeah, and that's a heck of a finish for TC Central too. I mean, it's been a long time since they've not only had three placers in the finals, but get three guys to medal. That doesn't happen a whole lot at, at TC Central. So. Um, you know, that, that wrestling program, I think, is kind of back on the rebound along with Kingsley's. All right, one more thing to talk about. We did have Bowling State Finals go down last weekend as well, which is going to lead us into our interview with Traverse City Christians, Hunter Haldeman. He was our lone individual state title winner. We had a few more people show up in the individuals, but before we get there, let's go Friday on team. Big surprise, Boyne City, in their third year as a program, we talked about them having a big story making it down there make their way all the way to a runner-up finish. I mean, we talked to a couple bowlers just like a week or two ago, and they said that they think bowling is dying in northern Michigan. If anything, this looks like it's an up-and-up to me. There's a couple teams who are getting together. I mean, Elk Rapids just barely missed it. Cadillac's been good forever. Cadillac was runner-up. I mean, yeah, Cad- Cadillac was also runner-up this past weekend with Boynton City, but now we have an individual state champion as well, which I think you've told me it's been a really long time since you can remember that happening. I mean, it's been quite a while, yeah. What, what's the trend that you're seeing here after such a good weekend for the bowlers from uh, the northern Michigan area? I think in this area it's taken off. That, that sport, I mean, more schools seem to be adding it. Um, more schools seem to be making it a varsity sport rather than just a club sport. Um, we've seen just in three years how Boyne City's gotten competitive. And, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt to have two really good bowlers like Jack Wicker and Michael Deming. Wicker's a senior, so he'll graduate, but Deming's a junior and he'll be back next year. So, you know, Cadillac has always been solid. TC West has always been solid. Now you got TC Christian on the upswing. It seems like Elk Rapids and Boyne on the upswing. Um, it used to just be in the area that TC West and Sheboygan just dominated everybody in in bowling, but now it's a lot more even playing field. Yeah, if you get the lane space, get out there. <laughs> One of the easiest sports is just drop what you're doing and go play it. Go do it. So as long as you have a place to do it, it which up. once again, when they open that reopen that bowling alley in Boyne City, it obviously has mm-hmm. made a difference in the community. That's going to lead us into our interview with Traverse City Christians, Hunter Haldeman, the Division Four Individual State Championship for the boys. Let's go ahead and give a listen to that now. The Get Around is really excited to welcome into the studio Traverse City Christian Jr. and now state champion bowler Hunter Haldeman. Thank you so much for joining us today, man. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Obviously, it was a very exciting weekend for you downstate uh, bowling, but as always, we're going to get started with our Freaky Fast Five to try to get to know you a little bit, <laughs> have our listeners get to know. It's a nod to our sponsor at Jimmy John's, uh, but we're going to start off with this one. What are three things that you would want for yourself on a deserted island? 
three things. A boat. <laughs> that works. Probably a bowling alley. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> a bowling alley. Something to and, keep you busy. Yeah, and uh, some beef jerky. <laughs> Hey, high-protein snack, is that what you eat at the bowling alley? Ah, uh, no, I wish. <laughs> Here, I'll ask you this question. What's your favorite, like, bowling alley snack? Bowling alley snack? Probably some mozzarella sticks. Mozzarella sticks. Those are always good. That, now, is, a pretty, that is a staple. Now, <laughs> you can't eat those, like, at all during your matches. I, I try not to. I just kind of get some water and Gatorade and maybe some Cliff Bars or something. Now, even though the ball is already oily, do the greasy fingers make it that much harder to bowl? It Sometimes it, it'll, it'll mess it up sometimes. Yeah, so you got to stay away from that. Yeah, we try to. <laughs> if you were challenged to a duel, what weapon or weapons would you choose to use? Probably a katana. Okay, and really sharp nice. swords. Okay. Nice. I like as- asking this question because it kind of... Would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? Probably a hundred duck-sized horses. Any reason why? They're smaller. Okay. <laughs> you just go around and step on them. Yeah, kick them. Yeah. Point a bunch like soccer balls. Hey. You could like just roll a bowling ball hey, through like take, a hole. Take a few a out at a time. That'd be pretty nice. Yeah. You got, you, I think we got two more for the. He, could, he could just life. cleave a path through him with the katana. Hey, katana yeah. <laughs> and bowling ball. There, there That's you the trick. All right, we <laughs> got two go. more for you. What uh, current big musical artist do you think is way overrated? Billie that person. Eilish. I knew that was going to come out. <laughs> that, that's the last this, the last time we asked that question. That's the same answer. I, I think nice. I think Post Malone <laughs> is the one that's overrated. That's my guy. Okay. At this point, I think Post Malone is overrated. Yeah. All of his songs sound the same to me at this point. Here's one that's kind of weird. But would you rather have? Would you rather experience forty straight days of light or forty straight days of darkness, and why? Probably light, just so I could hopefully see something. <laughs> darkness <laughs> would be a little boring. All right. That gets done with our freaky fast five. A nod to our sponsor at Jimmy John's. I don't know if I know you any better yet, but I'm a night Is that owl. five already? Wow. Well, we, we threw it. I think we, I think we, we, did, threw we did throw in some extras. That, that is the point of the Freaky Fast yeah. Five is to get through them yeah. and uh, get people to get to know you. But let's talk more about you in general. Obviously, Hunter, uh, you had a big weekend down at the state finals. After Friday, you kind of got down there. You got to check it out, got a little feel for yourself. But what was it? How many games did you bowl on Saturday? Uh, 14. 14. Yep. So how's your arm feel after Saturday? And, I mean, um, accor- you know, at least according to my coworker, when he talked to you guys, you didn't really expect to have the result that you did. So could you just kind of run through your day on Saturday with us? For sure, for sure. Um, you know, going into it, my goal was to make the top 16 to start and uh, to get into the match play uh, and even make that top eight. Um, and that's where you get a medal at least. And I was like, I'd love to bring home some hardware. Once, once I got past that first match, that was when it kind of clicked, like, we're doing pretty good, you know, we can maybe take home that title today. And we just worked for it uh, really hard. And by the end of the day, my hand was cramping up so bad I couldn't even open it. And I had to, like, pry it open with my other hand just to get it in the ball. And uh, it, it started to hurt a lot, but uh, made it through it with a lot of water and ibuprofen. Was it worth it? It was 100% worth 100% it. 100% worth it. I mean, nobody really talks about those final matches. Although you're probably bowling against the next best person in the state, uh, you know, in your division or, you know, at least pretty close to it, For depending sure. on how it goes. I mean, you don't really think about the fatigue of a bowler at the end of the day. You don't really think about how long that takes. I mean, how how, how heavy is the ball that you throw? Uh, I throw 15s, and um, I'm sure most of those guys down there do as well, and they're they're some of the best bowlers in the state, and uh, they definitely deserve to be there for sure. So let's talk about how much do, how much does fatigue play a role in bowling, especially in these long, day-long tournaments? And, I mean, we're talking now you're at the end of your bowling season where you've been doing this every Saturday where you're doing between yep. 12 and 14 games yep. on regular 
mean, how's the arm feel at the end of uh, a whole <laughs> season when you get down to that last match and you're the last one standing? You know, you get kind of conditioned to it um, after a long season like that, but uh, those longer day tournaments, they really take it out of you, and you just got to keep your electrolytes up, keep your food up, and uh, keep your water. And, uh, and it's even the mental game and just not letting bad shots get to you and uh, just working through it. Stick away from the mozzarella sticks as yeah. long as you can. Let <laughs> <laughs> me sneak one in now and then. <laughs> it seemed like consistency was kind of your game uh, a little bit, especially in the match play. Um, you got you're pretty cons- you're over 400 in all of your your two game series there and stuff. And other people may have had maybe a bigger 475 game or something like that. But a lot of them had a three something in there. How hard is it, especially when you've already played that many games, to keep it going and, and stay consistent? I kind of start out the year more in like the 180s, 90s range for an average, but um, the past few weeks I've really been working with our coaches um, and getting to that 200 average range. Thankfully, last Saturday it managed to go above that for those 14. In those in the match play, I think everything just kind of starts over, and you could shoot 400 for two games and still win, or you could shoot 350 and still win. The guy I played in the finals, he had a really good set before he played me. He almost hit 500. Uh, for two games, but it just kind of shows the difference between who you're playing and the lane conditions and uh, who you're playing next. So, yeah. I mean, even even just as lo- how many games you've played that day, how many yep. how many balls have been rolled on the oil pattern all day long? For sure. It, I mean, there's a lot of different factors that that kind of go into it. I mean, would you consider Saturday your best day of bowling that you've ever had? I would say so. Just there was one game where I needed two strikes and two pins to at least tie and uh, I managed to strike out in the 10th frame to win so that was probably the three best shots I've ever thrown okay um, and I, I I needed to lose by within like 24 because I got them I got them by 24 the game before and uh, that was that was just wild for me me and my coach we looked at each other and like in disbelief and uh, that was just a really awesome moment yeah actually performing under yep. all that pressure yep. and coming out exactly the way yep. you planned it for, for it. sure. Now, uh, I know that there's a lot that mo- lot more that goes into bowling than a lot of people talk about, but we kind of mentioned this beforehand. So you're left-handed, I but am. you bowl right-handed. Yes. Why? Is that just how you were taught? Is it more comfortable? Can you bowl left-handed as well? Or <laughs> I haven't really tried to bowl left-handed. I write and like eat and all that left-handed, but all the sports throwing stuff like doing most things it's all right-handed not sure why but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, do, they, do, they didn't try to make you right-handed <laughs> when you were a kid yeah i don't know i'm not really like ambidextrous but try to be in some things so isn't yeah. that technically when that when that hit he, him be the definition of ambidextrous <laughs> Ambidex- yeah, yeah amphibious like, maybe no. <laughs> <laughs> he's a frog no uh but, but when i was a kid i, I mean i'm left-handed too and when i was a kid in kindergarten I came home from school and my and my parents noticed that I had my left hand in my back pocket and I was keeping it that way and they asked me like what the heck was going on and I said oh well the teacher told me to do that because like, like, they were trying to make me right handed <laughs> and uh, so my parents went and complained to the school board <laughs> and made the teacher stop doing that fundamentally so, change who you are as a person so yeah. now I'm kind of ambidextrous like I throw a baseball right handed but I write left handed and my right. left hand is basically a noodle. <laughs> 
See, yeah. that's where it's great being ambidextrous because you can just eat with both hands. Yeah. Just awesome. Fists all day. Yeah, yeah, tur- awesome. <laughs> turkey leg in both hands as you're sitting there watching the uh, the medieval dudes on their horses or whatever. Mm-hmm. Only being a junior, how long have you been bowling uh, competitively? Competitively since I was in eighth grade, and uh, I made it to states that year. I, I d- really didn't do very well down there, but it was a great experience, and uh, just to be back this year was awesome. Past couple years, I've missed it by like under 15 pins, I think. So that was that was a bummer for sure, but uh, just to take it this year was awesome. I mean, how much did you? I mean, I know that seems like it was probably a long time ago. We weren't even in high school yet. You were yeah. just kind of like the baby in the scene when you did that. For but sure. like, how much do you think you learned from that first time at state finals and were able to kind of use it in order to propel you to one this time? A lot. My coach and I, uh, we stayed after I didn't make the match play, and we watched these guys go head to head, and we were just like dreaming of what it would be like to be in that situation, in that spot, to compete for that title. And then this week, we were looking at the guys, and there I was, and we're like, we're making history here. So that was really cool. After after reading the story a little bit that you talked to our coworker Andrew, who is off having fun in Vegas, you had a surprise this weekend, too. I uh, did? Yeah, so, I mean, your brother came in from across the country. Yes, what, what was that like for you, and how did that kind of hype you up for Saturday? That was crazy. Um... He was big into bowling in high school, too, and uh, we never made it to states together. He made it by himself a few years ago, but uh, when we were sitting down eating dinner and he shows up, we're, we're all surprised, and uh, even surprised my parents, too. They had no idea, and uh, just for him to come and be there in person for the state title, that was really cool. Any extra oomph added to your, added I think, to your toss? Yeah, it just made it all, all that much better, and uh, I had fun with him even during the qualifying rounds. I just go back and talk to him because I haven't seen him in a few months. Yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I can only imagine having the whole family together. Only it makes it that much more special. Oh, for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, I mean, you told me, you just told us you probably didn't really expect to be in that final round, let alone have your brother I, there to see it happen, right? Yep, yep. So mm-hmm. that was awesome to have him there for the, the winning moment. That's, that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. So you had the whole family there for it yes, all. Yes, sir. Huh? My uncle showed up. My grandma was there. And... Uh, my mom and my dad. That was really cool. And you, you guys were down. You guys were down in Lansing, right? Yep. Royal Scott. Why is it yeah. called Royal Scott? It's actually a golf course. Yeah, it's golf and bowl. So yeah, it's like it's, like, okay. it's a weird mix there. Yeah. I, okay. I, I went there a couple times when I was in Lansing, but I only went there to golf. And then I remember <laughs> that I found out there was a bowling alley. Like, hey, <laughs> I never heard that one before. It's usually like a tennis or something like yeah. paired with golf. With yeah. You were talking about the the kind of the mental aspect of bowling. The, so the fir- after the first game, you've got, like, almost a 50-pin lead. How does that change your approach? How hard is it to not change your approach, <laughs> I guess, when you have a, a 50, almost a 50-pin lead after the yeah. first game? You know, in that situation, it's it's great to get as much of a lead as you can that first game just for that confidence booster. But that second game is always key because there's always a chance that that kid could go really high and you could struggle and not hit where you want to. And uh, it kind of showed that when I was down about 30 some in one of the matches but just to finish strong and take the win was really awesome mm-hmm. yeah i mean you still got a 188 in that second game yep. i think it was right so yep. you still bowled pretty well were you yeah. were you taking a little bit off of it though and playing being a little more conservative to, to protect the lead or were you you know you're still going for it at that point in the last match i think i shot about 216 and i knew i had a bit of a lead but i just thought if i can at least match him I and mean, what he's shooting i can hopefully win that way and finish strong and that's what happened so mm-hmm. now can we talk a little bit about like the dynamics of actual match play when you're going up against somebody i mean bowling is such a streaky game like yeah you know like you it, when somebody gets a hot start or if you start a game bad 
you really have to kind of flip a switch, turn it around, and get yourself rolling. For uh, sure. As punny as that is, you, <laughs> really have to, you have to get yourself rolling. I mean, what is the dynamic like when you do go down earlier or you do get up early and it, it only really takes one shot for somebody to catch a break in a, in a, in a match sure. play game. So just describe what the mental aspect is when you – when you get there earlier, you're down early, and you have to kind of, like, ride that roller coaster. Yeah, for sure. Um, when people uh, miss a spare or they open sometime, um, that's kind of, the, you look at that as, like, you're opening, and it's like you got to step up and hopefully not do that um, and hopefully do the best you can and hopefully strike for sure. And uh, it's at that point where everything else kind of goes out the window and you just focus in on what you got to do to win for sure. Mm-hmm. You mentioned bringing back some hardware and a medal and stuff. I saw you p- had the picture of the posing with the little plaque that just yeah. says MHSA champion. Do they give you more than that, at least, I hope? It's just like a cardboard thing that says champion and a very small medal that just says champion on it. So my coaches, they you were didn't like, get a trophy? They want to get me a trophy separately and get a banner of my name in the school gym. So Yeah, they like they get a, get a championship trophy if you're the ski champion. I'm sure Michael I'm sure Michael will take care of you. Oh, I, yeah. I know I know he's proud of you guys over there at T C Christian. Yeah. So you're getting a state champion for you guys. I know oh, for sure. I know he's gonna put you on Mr. Guy goes he'll do something. <laughs> good. Exactly. I, I know I know he'll put he'll put you on somewhere, which is awesome because uh yeah, I mean, just on Friday, the teams get that nice team trophy. You kind of oh, yeah. get to see them look at it. You're like, oh, how nice would that be? <laughs> but, hey, I mean, maybe you'll have a nice little trophy room for yourself. Was there anything else about your weekend that you think, you know, made it made it possible for you to be able to kind of sneak in and get a state title? Just the support uh, from some of my classmates and um, friends from school. A few of the girls stayed to watch, um, and they bowled Friday, and they placed third in the state for teams. Um, it was awesome to have them stay and watch, and a buddy of mine drove down by himself a few hours just to come and watch, and uh, even my brother flying across yeah. the country, that was awesome. So just to have the support from my family and the school, that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you still have a whole other year here. Let's just ask you this question. Have you already thought about defending your title? Are you, <laughs> are you ready to wear that crown and stay on top of the throne next year? I would love to. Uh, we'll just see what next season brings, and uh Hopefully take it again, yeah. You're going to spend a lot of time in the lanes this summer. Yes, sir. Get def- a, lot of, a lot of practice in. Got to defend your title with that uh, that katana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's the duel we <laughs> talked about. That's perfect. All righty. Well, Hunter, thank you so much for coming and joining us. Congratulations on a great state title, and best of luck over the summer on all your thank work. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Another big thank you to Hunter for joining us here at the Get Around. That interview is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John spends six hours every day slicing and baking to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's. Freak yeah. That's going to move us into our boys' district basketball preview, guys. We have a lot to run through, obviously. Everybody's still in it today. Uh, we can't go too deep into the first rounds because obviously they'll be going like ongoing as people are listening to this uh, episode. But once again, we're going to kind of do it like we did last week. We're going to run through these districts, and we we're just going to talk about district favorites. Who do you think is going to be in the district final? Who do you think is going to win it? Sound like a plan, gentlemen? Let's do it. All righty. Just like last time, we're going to start up in Division One, work our way all the way down to Division Four. So let's get it started. First one is right here in our backyard at Traverse City Central. Got some of the bigger teams with Petoskey playing Marquette in the first round. Alpina gets to play Traverse City Central in the first round. Of course, uh, Gaylord and TC West get the bye in that district. But we saw what Traverse City Central has been able to do over the last, what, 
two months of the season. Yeah, they won like, 12. I think it's 14 14 straight. 14 games Last straight. against Alpina, so exactly. I don't so like they, the chances of Alpina winning that one. Exactly. So they, they literally have a rematch of their last game of the season and the first game of the postseason. But uh, would you guys agree that TC Central is the favorite for this district title? I would think so. It's going to be them and Marquette in the finals. I would have to. Barring a Petoskey would, road like win, it's possible, but yeah, it's yeah. tough. Yeah, the game is at Marquette, yeah, yeah. so that makes it even and tougher. And it's already over by the time you hear this. So. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I think Central Marquette is your is your final. It, it's odd. I mean, people that are looking at this and with the new seeding and everything going, well, how did the teams with the two worst records in the district get the first-round buys? It's like everything else is random. Yeah. They just seed the first two and put them in opposite half of the districts, and that's it. The rest of it's just drawn. So the, getting the top seed doesn't guarantee a buy. It doesn't guarantee anything other than that you're not in the same half as the number two seed. Well, and as we've learned, too, these non-traditional brackets have their own little rules and quirks that uh, yeah. don't even go by yeah. what the images say. Yeah, they still can be supposed to by do, geography. So. Yeah, most of the time. But uh, we might see another rendition of Traverse City Central, Traverse City West. That's what we would assume. I think we're going to. Uh, yeah, as long as uh, Central takes care of Alpina, takes care of business like they're supposed to. But yeah, I think I think I will mark Central as the favorite out of this district, especially after the last, you know, two months of what we've seen them do and be able to run them way, run themselves into a big North Conference title. And I know that they have a district on their mind. All right, let's move on to Division Two. Uh, this one down in Grayling, we got Kalkaska, Boyne City, and Kingsley Sheboygan playing in that first round. Grayling and Sault Ste. Marie are waiting in later later rounds. This is one of our more up in the air districts, but I think you know Boyne City and Kingsley are on the opposite side of this. They are going to be the you know the two highest seeded teams. You know what Bola Tulip can do. Aiden Mullen he can show up here and there for Kingsley, but I mean I think we've seen Boyne City as a basketball team do a little bit more this year. Pete Calcaterra, Max Vandra, those guys have been able to really bring the Ramblers to a different level this year. They've had a lot of good battles with a lot of really good teams in St. Francis and Charlevoix. Yeah, I, I would give Boyne City the the nod as the favorite in this one, uh, even on the road. Uh, yeah, they're they're probably going to be lined up in that final and the Kingsley Sioux St. Marie winner I imagine is who they'll face but I, I don't know if anybody's going to really be too much of a, a challenge for Boyne City for four quarters yeah I think so too I mean they they played Kingsley in a non-conference game earlier this season they beat him by almost 20 so and that's the team with the, the next best record um, you know they didn't play Sheboygan this season but so if, if they get through or the they did play Sioux St. Marie and they beat them pretty handily too by 17 so I see this one as Boyne City's to, to lose completely. If they, you know, if they if they don't win this one, that's <laughs> it's probably just on them. Next one, Cadillac gets to host their district just like the girls did. They get to hold everybody in, but the only two, uh, only have three local teams in here. We have Cadillac taking on Manistee in the first round. I don't think that's going to be an issue for Cadillac whatsoever. Manistee only has two wins on the year. That's kind of a you know we can look past the Monday matchup there. Uh, Benzie Central has to play Ludington tonight. That's. That's an up-in-the-air one. I'm not sure that Benzie Central is going to make it out of that first-round game. But then we kind of just have Cadillac to look at in this bracket. You know, Cadillac's been ranked in the during the season. They've been up there. Uh, what do you guys think about their chances at a home district title? Co-BNC champion yeah. with TC Central. Cadillac's also a very good team. Obviously, very. we've been hyping up the Trojans for winning all those games, but I've seen Cadillac win big games on the road at Petoskey. They're a talented team, and hosting the district, it's kind of like Boyne City. It's theirs to lose. Yeah, completely. I mean, they have by far the best the best record coming into this. I mean, Ludington and Big Rapids are over five hundred, but not, but nobody else is. Um, so yeah, this is this is their district for the taking. All right, let's move on. Division three, Lake City gets to host this one. We only have one local team that we cover in here, and that is the Manton Boys. 
They went 16-4 and four this year. We know they have uh, some talent on that team, but they are the ones who made the first-round draw, so they have a longer uh, drive to the district. They have to get past the 15-5 and five McBain team or possibly a 14-6 and six Lake City team if they make it into the final. What do you think are their chances here, fellas? I think we're looking at McBain. They kind of had the two battles for the conference title over the year, and uh, Manton came out on top in one of those, and then as a result of other losses was able to win the conference outright, I believe. But that's for the pro- first time in a long time. Yeah. Um, they won outright. So that's probably going to be your final. Lake City's a scrappy team, but I don't I don't know if they're going to be able to push McBain in that semifinal. So Manton for sure, probably against McBain. And at that point, I don't know, it's probably your, your most pick em district final of all the groups that we're kind of looking at right now. I, Manton would probably have an edge, but I think, I, I think Manton will have an edge. Up. Even though they've played, two, they'll have played two games to get to the final, they'll have played two games against a sub-500 teams, whereas McBain and Lake City will beat each other up a little bit on Wednesday and play I kinda a, more like of a competitive that method, game. Though. I kind of like that, though. I'd rather go into a big game battle-tested than to have two blowouts. I mean, that's just me. Mm-hmm. I, I, think I, I agree. play high school basketball. But mm-hmm. either way, that one's shaping out to be a good one, and it's a neutral site for both teams, so that'll be a fun little aspect to it as well. Yeah, they get their third matchup against McBain, one home, one away, and one neutral site. So Now, another Division Three one. We go over to Mancelona, the other big M city. I uh, got a lot of local teams here. This is going to be one that we run through. There actually is not a first-round game here. This is just going to be semifinals nope. directly into finals. This goes on on Wednesday, so we can kind of talk about this one. This is going to be a really good district, though. This, this is one of the best districts. I mean, yeah. as far as everybody has a winning record. Uh, but not even just a winning record. Like, they have a good record. Yeah. Uh, Glen Lake at 18-2 and two is playing Mancelona at 15-5. and five. They get that first game. And then Traverse East St. Francis at 17-3 and three is going to take on Elk Rapids, who's 12-8. and eight. But we know that Elk Rapids has the potential to beat probably any 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 team in this district. Uh, if they have a good night, mm-hmm. now they did. They did last year. Yeah, where do we where do we see this rocking uh, this year in twenty twenty? And the other thing is, I think that we know that Mancelona is better than a fifteen and five team. I mean, yep. they lost two or three of those games when they had a, a handful of kids suspended. So, and that kind of cost them a chance at winning the Ski Valley Conference, which they were right there in that too until the even until, after the, until they were playing with a bunch of kids right in the stretch run of the Ski Valley kind of, and they still kind of kept themselves in that race a bit. So. I mean, Glen Lake doesn't have a cakewalk by any means. I mean, Glen Lake's obviously going to be a favorite against Mancelona, but I can see Mancelona giving them a game. St. Francis is one of those teams we were talking about that I think is better than almost anybody expected them to be this year. Mm-hmm. Very and disciplined, uh, very... And Elk Rapids is a, a very competitive team as well. This is, a, this is a district that is probably the most complete district that we have around here as far as just competitive sense. Yeah, I mean, one of us has to be there on Wednesday just to watch those games for fun, just to actually, like, see how that goes down. Well, uh, I mean, we all know what happened in the regular season, though. I saw Elk Rapids have trouble with both Glen Lake and St. Francis. So I, as much as the records indicate that's going to be a good game, I don't know if St. Francis is going to allow that to be a good game, uh, especially after losing to Charlevoix to end the regular season in conference. That kind of probably left them with a bad taste in their mouth. So that next game, they beat Petoskey last week which was a big non-conference win for them, and now they're rolling in that game with Elk Rapids. Mancelona, especially at home, does have the chance to pull the upset of Glen Lake, and they have the athletes to do it. So I think that's your real intriguing one of that semifinal pairing. Uh, Glen Lake obviously favored, but if the Ironman can get right momentum and big plays in there, I've seen them come back from down double digits with four minutes to go in that building. So it's very possible for them to do something like that, even if they're in trouble on Wednesday. So it sounds crazy. I don't think any of us have actually said who we think might win this district. I think the favorite, based on how well they played all season, is St. Francis. 
That's not to say Glen Lake can't win this one. I think they're just as talented, and I, at presuming that would be the final based on favorites for the matchups. Um, I, I could see it being just like McBain and Manton, a, a f- exciting finish. That's the game I'm going to plan to be at at the end to see how it wraps up. Mm-hmm. Um, but based on how St. Francis has played all year and coming off that bad loss in conference, that lo- overtime loss to Charlevoix where that ended the Lake Michigan streak, I, especially last year St. Francis making that run to play Iron Mountain in the tournament regional. Uh, I'm going to assume those guys and Coach Finnegan want to get there again. So I'm going to give them the nod, but obviously wouldn't be surprised to see Glenn Lake win that one either. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm going to give Glenn Lake the nod because I think Glenn Lake is finally almost all, like, full complement, healthy. Everybody's ready to go. And they still only lost a couple games when they've been missing dudes all throughout the season. But we know what type of talent they have as a team. They have a lot of speed. They have a lot of size. Um, I don't think – I mean, St. Francis can't really match up with Glen Lake's size. No, but not other at than, all. Yeah, other than that, I mean, it's can't, but be I mean, a good they've game. had that problem with teams all year, and it hasn't bothered. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't, but I think with if Glen Lake has their full complement of people playing at a hundred percent on an evening, just off of players in general, I think Glen Lake has the advantage. Um, I think St. Francis has to put together a good night, and they there's no doubt that they will. They 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 have not gotten beat beat all season long. Um, they've been in tight games. They've been in overtime games. Mm-hmm. They are battle tested, as you said. Uh, I'm excited for for this district in general, but I'll give Glen Lake a little bit of a nod just because I feel like they have they they've been there at the top the whole season and they just haven't had everybody like they do right now. If you're giving me Glen Lake and St. Francis in the final, I mean obviously both very good teams, but I, just the matchup alone, I think you know Glen Lake's got four or five guys that are six five, six six. St. Francis tallest guy is like six four, and he's a guard. I think I just think that that matchup and the the t- two of the teams that have beaten St. Francis this year is the same thing where they were they just didn't have the height they couldn't beat TC Central who's obviously taller and and they lost to Charlevoix who has pretty good height yeah. inside too so uh, you know that's kind of been maybe a problem and but they beat a Charlevoix team too earlier they did beat Charlevoix once yep so but it's it's going to be a great game that's the one yeah. we want so hopefully it gives us the good finish we want to all right let's keep moving uh, Division three at St. Ignace. East Jordan and Charlevoix both going up there. Charlevoix gets the first round by and will be playing St. Ignis in the second round. They basically have a kind of a walk-in to a uh, district final, if you ask me. Uh, we know that East Jordan has you know, a couple athletes like Jackson Raymond or whatever, but not sure he'll be able to carry a team into a district title, uh, especially having to play a couple of these teams. Charlevoix, like you said, Jacob Mueller, Evan Solomon. I mean, they've been primed for a district title, even possibly a regional title all season long, if you ask me. Yeah, and, and Caleb Stock, too, in there. You know, so yeah, I think Charlevoix can not necessarily walk to the district title, but leisurely, Casually leisurely run. stroll, speed walk. I mean, you know, East Jordan. Th- there's three ten and ten teams in this district, and then St. Ignace, who is five and fifteen. Yeah, and Charlevoix is seventeen and three. seventeen and three. Yes, yeah. as we mentioned earlier, like Boyne City and Cadillac, this is a this is a Charlevoix district to lose. Yes, hundred percent. Especially the regional would be games. tough because they're going to have to face off with Iron Mountain in yeah. the regional. So that's <laughs> a tough ask for anybody in the entire state in Division Three. But all right, let's move on to the next one. We're going on to Division Four. Another one of our heavy local brackets here at Sutton's Bay. Sutton's Bay takes on Leland in the first round, and then Lake Leland Law St. Mary takes on Buckley in the first round. Waiting for them will be Forest Area and TC Christian. Now these are all kind of. 500 teams. We know we saw Leland do good things last year getting into a regional final game. Uh, yeah, I don't know if any of these teams are going to be <laughs> state championship no. or regional championship material, but I think the district, as far as competitive basketball, is lining up to be a pretty fun one in this in this district here, all three rounds. Yeah, I personally, I'm just going to put it out there. I mean, I know they're probably the favorite. I don't know about from you guys. 
just because they're, like you've told me before, exciting to watch, and they average about 80 points a game. I think Forest Area is going to come out of this district with a title. I mean, with Chase Ingersoll, Johnny Stozio, we had them on this podcast early, way early in the year. I think only two or three games into the season, mm-hmm. and they are focused on it. They want it. I know Chase Ingersoll has, like, the eye of the tiger for this thing here. But like we said, Lake Luna St. Mary with, like, Sean Bramer is going to be a big, tough task for people to get around. Buckley yep. has a couple of guys who are fun to watch with Tyler Francisco. and <laughs> yeah, three guys named Tyler that can all score. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, I mean, like said, triple threat. This should be this should be a fun district to uh, to be at. This TC week. Christian's got an athletic team. Sutton's Bay's the host site. They got they're Brock Broderick. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. seen Lucas Mikesell go off in quarters. So, Leland's got Kevin Miller. you're probably not getting a Final Four team out of this district. But but it's a pretty that's a lot of if you just want to watch some fun basketball and kids play hard to try and win a district title, I think this is probably top to bottom your most exciting one. Yeah, no matter who wins that Sutton's Bay Leland game on Monday, they get Forest Area on Wednesday, and that will be a fun game to watch. Yeah, because that's gonna be fast. Have you you seen Forest Area this year, Harrison? I have. Man, they just they just want to. Get down the floor. They want to run into, yeah, and like every other possession at least is going to be a three-pointer. They're going to take a three-pointer like every other the shot. offensive boards and... Yeah, they don't have a whole lot of size, but they still rebound pretty jump, well. They jump right in. All right, fellas, we got three more to talk about here in our segment. Next one, Division Four at Gaylord St. Mary. Gaylord St. Mary, Bel Air, Central Lake, Ellsworth are going to be our local teams here. Uh, we've seen, I think Ellsworth has a really good shot of winning a district title, fair, not fairly easily, but... I mean, they've, they've just dismantled everybody they've played this year. I know they don't have the best competition up there with Wolverine and They and have beaten Alba. Joburg. I know they beat Joburg throughout in the middle of the year. You know, there's so a, few of, these teams, there's a few of these teams that they, you know, they're, they're able to walk Sa- by. It's St. Mary's to win, but, yeah, they better not sleep on Ellsworth because that's a team that can put up 90 points as well in certain games. And they're also on a very impressive Northern Lakes Conference win streak that I heard about last week. I've been about two-plus years now. So these guys know what it's like to win, and you can bet in that opportunity that what do they got to lose? Gaylord St. Mary's top 10-ranked team in Division Four. They're supposed to win that game. So Ellsworth is playing with house money if that's your title mate, title game and chance to win. And I mean, that's where they will ma- they will match up in that title game if it happens, and Gaylord St. Mary will have that home court advantage. But once again, it's a fun home court to watch a game, too. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Ellsworth in this district. What about you fellas? I think that Ellsworth has a, has a very good chance here, too. I mean, uh, you know, they play 16 games in the Northern Lake Conference, so they don't get to to take a whole lot of non-conference games outside of that. When they did, they played, you know, some Ski Valley teams and stuff. They played Joburg, they played Central Lake, Mancelona, um, and East Jordan. So, they were competitive with East Jordan. They got blown out by Mancelona. They beat Central Lake by double digits, you know, and then beat Joburg by six. You know, they've proven they can go out and, and play with Ski Valley type teams, and Joburg Gaylord St. Mary isn't that much of a stretch either. They they played fairly close. So Ellsworth seems, I think maybe deeper. I think their team is deeper. They at have this. four or five guys. Who if if they can, if they can take the one or two guys for Gaylord St. Mary that do most of their scoring and slow them down a bit, I think they can totally take this game. Which would be including a friend of the program, Brady Hunter. You'd have to take him out of the game for sure. Yeah. I find it hard to believe that Gaylord St. Mary defeated a Pelston team twice in the regular season and will not win a district. But then again, stranger things have happened, like Lake City not winning a district either. I was kind of shocked yeah. to see that they, the way they lost that district. So it's very possible, but it's kind of one of those, I, I won't believe it till I see it, that St. Mary would not win this district because they've got a great chance to make a Final Four run here if they can get some of these wins taken care of this week. 
One yeah. of one of the most fun things about covering that Bel Air Gaylord St. Mary girls basketball final on Friday was the two student sections chanting back and forth across the gym at each other. Well, that's a rivalry. They 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 get at each other in and, that and, game. And, and they were not sparing anything. I mean, Bel Air was chanting about cheating in football. <laughs> 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 and Gaylord St. Mary was was saying in response, chanted, "We made the playoffs." They were they were both having fun with it, though. Some I mean, like answer. like like both both teams were absolutely they were not upset at each other. They were having fun with it. All right, let's get on these last two districts. We we don't have too much time to spare, gentlemen. Uh, Division four at Brethren. We got Frankfurt taking on Meesick in the first round. Brethren gets Bear Lake. That's then Manistee Catholic and Onekama are waiting in the second round for those teams. Uh, we've seen a few of these guys play this year. I haven't seen Brethren, even though they're sitting at sixteen and four. Once I have seen Brethren, they got a big boy a- in the middle, and uh, I, he's not the best basketball player in the world. But based on who you play, if you stick him in the middle with the ball in his hands, he's going to put it in the basket half the time. Yeah, Anthony Bacaria. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like six eight, three fifty. Yeah, huge. Yeah, like it's the biggest kid I've seen play basketball up here all year. He's the biggest athlete I've seen around. Yeah, years our, our coverage area. Does he take him to a district title just by getting rebounds and putting he it in the He gives him a shot, especially in their building. He gives him a shot. They got other athletes. I was at a game of theirs a couple weeks ago. That crowd was into it, so they're going to have fan support there. Frankfurt you know, definitely wants the chance to try and make another run here after maybe the upsetting regular season compared to what they were hoping for, but they can't sleep on uh, Manistee Catholic could be a tough team to beat, and uh, Brethren as well. And Anonekama is a solid team. Yeah, too. Taylor, well. Taylor yeah, Bennett mm-hmm. and everything. So uh, powers. If, That's if another sneaky good district. The, yeah, if the teams that are favored to win on Monday win, then those those Wednesday matchups are pretty good. I mean, it'll be four teams with winning records. Yeah, going head to head on Wednesday, so that that's a pretty solid district. I mean, it's it's up in the air for me. I'm I'm not completely sold on Frankfurt actually being the favorite here. Once again, I haven't seen Brethren play, but after I saw Frankfurt kind of lose their marbles a little bit against Elk Rapids last week, you know, it hasn't even been them against Elk Rapids. They've lost games to Onekama uh, exactly. and, and other teams. I, past saying, few weeks, just so what like, I'm saying is, I saw them just day. last week in the like last game of the season, kind of just not be able to put it all together. I I I this I think this is one of our more up in the air districts that it could it could go anybody's way. Definitely. All right. And the, and the interesting thing is that a bunch of these districts come to TC West for regionals, kind of like with the girls, where you've got these Division Four. That's central. They're all coming to TC West. So. It, it makes it easier on us. Mm-hmm. All right. On that note, we have Harrison Beebe exiting the studio because boys basketball. Districts are underway, and he's a one-man crew over there at 7-4. and four. Yeah, he's got a jobby job. Yeah. He's and this is not his jobby yeah, job. Yeah, he's just, in case you guys didn't know, Harrison literally does this out of the good graces of his own heart to come talk to you guys on the get-around and come hang out with me and James. So we cannot express how much it means to us that whenever one of our big-headed air brains are not in this room, Harrison is. So appreciate that. Always squeezing in where he can. Speaking of good graces... Good, exactly. Speaking of good graces, he did give us a nomination that he wanted for the Get Around Hall of Fame and his vote, uh, which will be his nomination. Uh, but we will talk about that here in just a second as we get into the Get Around Hall of Fame and add one more member into the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. Three more worthy candidates this week. Since Harrison is not here, I will go ahead and just put his put his nominations up. We're going to probably give it to him, but he took the easy road and went with our guest today, the state champion, Hunter Haldeman. Uh, Division Four state champion from Traverse City Christian. You just heard quite a bit about him uh, not too long ago. So 
Uh, we won't go too much deeper, but won that Division Four, won a conference, won a regional, so he's up there. James, who are you putting up this week? I'm going to put up a, a duo, uh, Gaylord wrestlers uh, John Henry Sosa and Chase LaJoy. Both finished second in the state this this weekend in the Division Two individual finals. I'm pretty close to saying I'm pretty sure they finished the season, each one of them, with less than five losses this year. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Almost positive. After yeah, I, I think Chase only lost one match maybe going into the state. Yeah, outside of that state final match. Yeah. John Sosa, I think, had three, maybe four. Yeah, and well, I think he might he lost in the team final, I think, okay, did, too, okay. to the well, same kid from Lowell. Not entering last Maybe, I, I think, but I'm not positive on that. But both runners-up for Gaylord, obviously uh, another good accomplishment for that Blue Devil wrestling program. I have one to put in, and as you kind of punned it up on the way in here, one of the good graces from Glen Lake, Grace Bradford, the sophomore, really uh, helped lead them to that win over Traverse City St. Francis Ford League District title last week. She had 25 points, 14 rebounds in that game. She actually had 17 first-half points. In the first quarter, they only scored, I think, nine points as a team, and then Grace Bradford dropped, like, 14 in the second quarter, uh, which put them up 12 for the halftime, and it was just game from there. So uh, she's impressive for only being a sophomore, and really the only thing I saw last week from districts that, that stuck out to me. So we put a basketball player up. James? I think we know what we're gonna do, but who's your uh, who's your vote? Well, we gotta put Hunter in, right? We gotta put Hunter State in. State champs. Have a State champs. That's, we have a standard. That's the bar. The bar is set. It's easy, and it has this week is easy. been achieved for Hunter. So congratulations on not only being a guest here on the Get Around, but also inducted into the Get Around Hall of Fame, the most exclusive club in the podcasting world. We have one more segment, guys. It was gonna be the trifecta, but we ran out of time with Harrison. So it's just going to be the bifecta or the do-fecta or the whatever you want to call it. The J-fecta, the Jake and James-fecta. I talked about it a little bit to open this episode, but we're just going to talk a little bit about our favorite college traditions, or at least this one at the very least. You know, Michigan State basketball has had the tradition for over 25 years where on the last day for senior day, the seniors get checked out of the game in the last minute, two minutes. They kiss the Spartan head. They get a standing ovation from the crowd. Then they go sit down on the bench and exit their last game at the Breslin. Uh, this has happened for a very long time. Every game, win, winning or losing, it still happens on senior day during the game at Michigan State. There's one time that they, in the last 25 years, they had not doing it during the game. And uh, they did it immediately after the game in a, in a close loss. But that's that. regardless, that just didn't happen that year. A lot of people come at a, uh, went at uh, Chris Holtman and said, if you don't want him to do it, maybe you should be winning the game, not be down by 17 points at that time. You can't really complain. They would have done it if they won. If they yeah, that's my point. But regardless, it doesn't matter what the score is. They, they do it anyway. They do it anyways. And the bonus that they get this year is uh, coronavirus. Yeah, on the, from the floor. <laughs> Perfect kiss on the floor. <laughs> um, no, but I tweeted earlier today, like, and that's the thing is that I don't even think he, I don't think he understands. I just don't think he gets it. Yeah, he must just, yeah, he, he's, he's new. Yeah. I, so, I, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but at the same time, yeah, I guess he just doesn't Don't know. disrespect my traditions like that because, as I tweeted earlier, if you follow me on Twitter at Jake Atnip, uh, you'll see a picture of me having my moment of kissing the Spartan head because it's not just the players who have this. It's the student managers. It's the Izone. Like, the Izone is an extension of that team at Michigan State, and we put four years of hard work in there, waiting in line, going to games, waiting for that stuff, and even we get the moment to kiss the floor after the game. They get it during the game. The Izone is the one who lines up and gets to kiss the floor after the game. Uh, there's not really time for them to do that. Then so that's you my guys time. really get the coronavirus, exactly, or whatever SARS, whatever, whatever the bovine the flu, is. whatever's going around that year. Yeah, but uh, no, I remember doing that, and that was you know that was one of the more special moments of my you know basketball career um, in college. As you know, I say I had one. I, I had a basketball career with the Michigan State Spartans. But yeah, I mean that's one of my favorite traditions in all of college sports, especially in college basketball. I mean there's there's other ones that happen. You know there's 
there's always the before game ceremony with the, the jerseys or whatever. They talk, but it's just not the same. That's just a moment that, I mean, it's like literally always nationally televised. Like I think Cassius Winston said it last night. He's like, yeah, dude, it literally feels like the entire world is there just for you in that moment. Like you don't take that away from kids. That's like mm-hmm. literally like especially seniors. That's the point. Like one of the reasons why it's such a big deal at Michigan State is because. Tom Izzo has used the recruiting tool like, you will win if you stay. Like, you will get a chance at a Final Four, at a title. Like, give me four years and you're going to get it all. Mm-hmm. And he has a really good record of that. So those four years mean a lot to those guys. And having that type of tradition, I'm sure, uh, means even more. I mean, James, what do you think about the whole situation? That he just had to have not had a clue about what, what the deal was. What, I mean, what was up? I mean, I, And I don't know why. Maybe he came into that game thinking that they were going to win or something and had his hopes dashed and was ticked off and had to lash out at something because that seems like something dumb to to get yeah. upset about and there's so many things otherwise yep. that you could even in that game i yeah get upset about your team being down 17 yeah or just not upset with the other team's harmless tradition basically or i mean that shouldn't offend anyone i don't think yeah, anybody i mean i do like john beeline michigan's head coach has literally like, called a timeout one time so the Michigan State seniors can get their moment out of respect. Like, he was like, I'll stop the game just so they can get this over with and not do this or whatever, right? Even if it's that, even if it's just like that, like, okay, mm-hmm. how about we just get everybody out? I'll call a timeout. You guys all do it right now, and we'll get you out of the game. Even has more respect. I mean, even the University of Michigan, who, once again, most people know Michigan State University's relationship with that university. Ohio State, we've always kind of been like, we're not buddy buddies. I don't like them at any point, but, like, at the same time, we both hate Michigan. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was always a really, really, you know, camaraderie relationship. But now, come on. Yeah, I mean, the, the Bellagate of the St. Mary game on Friday. Yeah. St. Mary, they're down 20-some points. They call a timeout with, like, a minute to go to take their, you know, their senior who was on the floor out of the game, yeah. uh, you know, so that she could have a moment. Her moment in the sun. Yeah. You know, and everything. And she went out, you know, hugged the coaches and, and you know, do the whole thing. And nobody nobody said anything. You don't break tradition. I mean, if you want to, you just stink because of it. You know, yeah, I mean, there's not like anybody going, why are you calling a timeout? You're down 20. Yeah, right? Because they, they got it and they wanted to get another senior in. They only yeah, have yeah. two. Same thing, exactly. Or there's even times where teams will be down by 12 goals and they'll just call timeout to be like, listen, guys, I know this is rough, you know, but, like, let's all come together for these last few minutes and give these seniors a good a good game or whatever, you know. Yeah. There's, there's those moments like that. Yeah. Uh, was, those moments was, matter. <laughs> why not? Some but. of the biggest and I cover in high school games, some of the biggest cheering that I've heard heard is when at the end of games that are blowouts mm-hmm. and they put some kid that doesn't play a whole lot well, I mean, in the game, talk, like, and they jack up a three and, and make it or get close. And I'm glad that you mentioned this because I want to bring this up, and this will be the way that we enclose episode 116. Just last week is a great moment. Uh, Frankfurt, Dan Loney put, had, uh, they have Jimmy Wolf, a senior on their team. He has mm-hmm. Down syndrome. And I went to the game last week, and I saw them play against Frankfurt, and I noticed Jimmy was there the first time I'd seen I'd seen him in person, and uh, you know he he was not part of the team last year, but he's a senior. He wanted to be a part of the team after the great run that they had down to the Breslin last year, and it's been just another one of the guys. But in the last couple games, uh, Dan Loney found a chance to get him in the game, and the first time that they did it, like they fouled him on purpose so that he could you know get a get a couple shots in. But this last time around, no, he put him in for the last three minutes of the game, and Jimmy took it upon himself take a little step back jumper, hit it from like 18, 18 feet out, nailed a shot. The whole the whole gym went crazy. You know, everybody, those, those are the moments that you live for. Those are the moments that are just beautiful in sports. Those are the moments that, you know, you don't come by every day, but those are the moments that mean the most. You know, mm-hmm. even if it's just two minutes of an entire season 
moments like that are what uh, really set sports apart from other things, if you ask me. And that's one of the reasons why I like sports as much as I do, is that they can give that sort of release or that sort of exit from, you know, the normal, everyday uh, life that people usually live. But mm-hmm. Yeah, look, sports is an escape. We got one more thing to do right before the end of this episode 116. We got to get the people fed. I didn't forget about you. I just was really waiting to put it off so you had all the suspense in the world. You had to wait until the very last second to find out who won this. This week, Traverse T Central's Ethan Gold. We message you on Instagram. Thank you for interacting with the podcast on Instagram. Make sure you look out for us everywhere at TCRE Sports on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Follow James at JamesCook14, at HarrisonBB for that 7-4 and four gold. And, of course, follow me at Jake Adnett. Thanks for listening to episode 116. We'll see you back for 117 next week. <laughs>